Hi guys, this is a bonus episode celebrating the life of Sound Sultan. Enjoy. You know, every time anybody gave me encouragement, words of encouragement, I was like another step higher than you know how I how I came. You just say, "Wow, this guy is good." I just feel like, okay, I can do this. You know, I just all I needed was a boost. This is Origins Africa podcast, where we explore the origin stories of people who have made and are making their dreams come true, asking the what, the when, the how, and the why. I'm Oshaye, and on this episode, you'll get to hear the origin story, albeit short, of Olarewaji Fasasi, popularly known as Sound Sultan. you hear him talk about where his inspiration came from, his songwriting process, his early years and releasing his eighth album in 2020, in spite of the pandemic. Erinwo, as we would say in Yoruba, on Sunday, July 11th, 2021, as we lost an industry titan and veteran, Olariwaju Abduganiu Fasasi, popularly known as Sound Sultan. Sound Sultan was 44 years old when he died from a hard-fought battle with throat cancer. Sound Sultan really lived, and he lived fully touching many lives and impacting generations. He was a rapper, singer, songwriter, actor, comedian, recording artist, and many more. He was notable for using his music to speak against poverty, corruption, bad governance, and societal ills in Nigeria. He was also a United Nations ambassador for peace for his exemplary lifestyle and career. August last year, Origins Africa podcast met with Sound Sultan to have him share his origin story with us and that's what you're about to listen to. However, we're only able to get about halfway into his origin story. We had planned to reshadow for another day, but sadly, we never got around to it. The year 2020 was interestingly Sound Sultan's 20th year in the music industry, and he had planned to release two albums to celebrate both decades. 2020 was also a year like no other, the year the COVID-19 virus shut down the whole world. How did it affect Sound Sultan? As a human being, it has affected a great deal. I'm the kind of person that I'm a sociable person and going out, even going to the basketball court, playing basketball, doing everything I love to do, has taken a major, you know, blow. Um, when it comes to performances and shows and gathering, which of course is what we thrive upon, yes, that too has taken a great blow. But, uh, you know, me, I've always been, I've never been a one-trick pony. It's like I've been preparing for this day for a minute now. So I really thank goodness that I've been able to, you know, use the new normal to redefine what music business is. <laughs> because at the end of the day, we don't 
we don't just wait behind and wait for only performances, you know. So reality is here and then uh, doing a bit more, it's a bit more content provision and all that is what I've concentrated on a great deal right now. And um, I have a, quite a number of things that I'm doing or stuff that I've wanted to do, but because of uh, the whole distraction, you know, this COVID-19, I, I'm always about um, looking at the cup uh, half full, you know, and half empty. So having this in mind, I I want to say there's a lot of um, things that COVID-19 must have done to people, done for people that they don't really know and they don't appreciate because of the major, major, major blow that's given the whole world. So, but at the same time, optimistically speaking, I would say, you know, it's helped me a great deal. I must say, it has helped me a great deal. I released my album. I was the first person to drop an album in the COVID season. First. Yeah, I can remember. Because I felt like, look, did COVID write a letter to everybody telling them when it will end? And the people were like, no, just wait, let it blow over. I was like, blow over. When did you know that it will blow over? Because <laughs> I was planning to release two albums this year. You know, two albums? Like yes, because my 28th year, I said, I one album for each, you know, decade. Ah, uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, but, you know, that too took a blow. <laughs> and I was supposed to go on a school tour, you know, just sensitizing kids about, you know, the journey the marathon. I don't want to sound like Nipsey also, but honestly, I love that, uh, you know, that uh, phrase or whatever it is that life is a marathon, you know, and I enjoy, you know, pushing that narrative that way. Okay. So, for me, anytime, so we were open to, you know, pass the message in the school tour just to tell kids about, you know, 20 years and here, you know, you have to know how to push your journey, pace yourself, and you know, and everything. So for me, it's uh, it's more there's a blessing to identify there somewhere in there, you know. And uh, if it's making money, thank God, do you still make? You know, <laughs> I've been able to do like I had like three or four deals. You know, I just look and make interesting. You know, on the, capitalize on the situation, you know, done stuff with uh, quite a number of brands, you know, from Pick Mill to, to Echo Bank to, you know, so while we're still doing this and uh, I still have two in the, you know, in the works. Uh, so everything has to be virtual and we need to just try to redesign, redesign and, you know, just redefine our purpose. Just as, that's it. Okay. Yeah, we are creative people, so we have to stay that way. Creative. Okay. So should we still expect the second album before the end of this year? And that one is a no-no, because I feel like I might <laughs> drop something. Like, I've already... Funny thing is, I, I already dropped another single, apart from uh, the album, which, of course, is Fire Fire, and it's doing very well. A lot of people, it's, it's so lovely. Okay. And that's not even on the album. And I'm not even started shooting my videos to the, on the album. I just felt like this Firefire is an inspiration I was gotten because I didn't know about COVID before I 
did all my body of work. So I just wanted to like do justice to see the situation and how much pressure we are going through, you know, through, through music. And I know that there is none in our album that caters for COVID. And not that I, I don't, I'm not really a fan of uh, singing with the name and all that, but I still did something that reflects what we are going through. Do you understand? Uh, yeah, I do. Like, Okay. So that that song also definitely I'll be dropping some other songs, you know. But that's me. That's how I do my thing. I feel like uh, the the music and body of work is more like a catalog, so you can always visit it. Not, not that it's, it's not a seasonal thing. Don't say oh, you don't drop one album now. You can't drop another song. No, good. It, it's for the future. It's not just for now. Everybody can go there. It's like a library. Okay. Okay. I'll still be dropping. I call them homeless songs. All those singles are homeless songs. So I'll drop some, some homeless songs. When you say homeless, what do you mean? Oh, okay. No album yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So where do you draw your inspiration from? Um, it's nature. That's the most inexhaustible source you can ever think of. You know, it's, uh, it's organic, it's, uh, it's relatable, it doesn't die off. It's, um, so most of my inspiration is going from, well, I dropped an album before called uh, Me, My Mouth and I. And I explained what that meant because I, the I was E-Y-E, yeah? And it's more like my I is the reporter and my, my mouth is the reporter, of course, the, the I experiences those things so the mouth always reports you know so and the music is the the report <laughs> so that's what i see about my inspiration i i stuff that i've gone through stuff i've been through you know and other people through other people's eyes as well you know i get to learn about one or two things and interestingly it's it's uh i'll do poetic justice to it you know Make his beats, and then I serve the people. So, what's your songwriting process like? Uh, it depends. It uh, sometimes it might be me listening to a song, and then I just start humming a, or listen to a beat. I start humming along, and then melody comes. And when melody comes, I don't just like when it's only about melody or. So me, yeah, I always like to put lyrics to, you know, whatever melody it is. And it depends on the mood the song creates. Then that would inform what topic I'm going to sing about. So I start by humming. And another one is, oh, we have to write a song about love. Oh, okay. Then we start. So we have a title and we don't have a without one too. It's another process of having to work for a title and having a title to work with. Then another one is um, us just saying, oh, look, just play the beat, I beg. And then we are playing the beat and then... <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, then, and then somebody walks in and says something. And that thing just sticks. I'm like, ah, come. Well, we just use tap from that inspiration and I just continue. There's so many ways, you know, so many ways. But if you're given a right title and you're to... Um, maybe come up with the lyrics and the melody. So how does that happen for that particular process? 
Now we give me a title. You know, it's it's now it's more like I'm just saying stuff. I'm just I'm just doing I'm just gibberish, doing gibberish right now because it's not something I plan. It's like a, a, it's a natural thing that it just occurs. Like I don't take note of the steps, but I know it comes. Like I just if I hold my pen and a pad. And as a title, definitely something will come. As far as the beat is awesome, I can write 10 songs to that beat. That's why I always tell people that I wait for, I love beats that I can write 10 songs to one beat. You know, that much inspiration. And I flow different arrangements on on the song and I know, then I feel good about it. Then I now start taking the best of all those arrangements and putting them as a, as a song. So... Um, it's more like, let me see, uh, like, uh, boom, 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 boom. I heard that melody in um, Oweka Oyeka Owenu's One Love, Keep Us Together. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, that's true. So, yeah. So, me going... Everybody, every time we have one or two things that inspires us, and we just keep going with that inspiration and just more. So at some point, I've done the song, and somebody tells me, "Wow, you need to put hard, um, add um, some horns lines to it, and or strings." I'm like, "Strings?" He said, "Yeah, go and listen to um, Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio." The strings will go with this. <laughs> I'm like, strings of Gangsta's Paradise. Okay, let's listen to it. Everybody. <laughs> Can you imagine? So that's how it goes. Interesting. Keep, keep moving with inspiration comes from everybody. Like, you just keep vibing to it. And as far as it comes um, sweet, it comes out sweet, we just play it all together. Okay, okay. The, your, your Eighth Wonder album, I, I think, at least for me, one particular song I, I liked was Ushumari. And that one had to do with strength and diversity. What inspired that song and how was that creative process? Yeah, um, that song... That song was in my dream. Um, I, yeah, I got that song in my dream. Um, there are so many songs I get in my dream that makes me know that it's not really about me. Maybe we start, you know, trying to tell me to tell them about the creative process. You know, that, that's when I know there's a, there's a supreme beam somewhere. There's nothing you can tell me. It's not about me. It's not about what I know it's not about talent <laughs> there's there's one <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain it because that song the melody came in a dream you know and um, when I got that melody I woke up I felt like oh, what's this one again are they calling me they're calling me again no? you know so I just immediately hummed it and recorded that melody. I'm like, 
was like, I love the fact that it's, it's so colorful. It's a colorful melody. Um, I'm seeing rainbows. I'm seeing different colors, spectrum coming to light. You know, something that comes, that has different colors that have come together to make something work, you know? So for me, I, I always pay attention in school. So when I remember what they taught us in school about the spectrum of the light, you know, how all those colors come to play when before you see light, you know, I just felt like this is exactly what's wrong with Nigeria. You know, the diversity that we complain about is our strength and we need to make good use of it. You know, we need to make good use of the diversity. So if we could understand ourselves, oh, this one is green. Okay, this is red. Okay, this is red. We might make you know a good team at the end of the day because we really want the common goal, a better Nigeria. So, so that was my, um, you know, the inspiration behind that song. I like, I need to think about unity. Yeah. Interesting. So typically when it Typically, when it comes like that from your dreams, the first thing you do is to record it, I guess, so that you don't forget it. Yes, I don't forget. You don't get that. So have there been times when you forgot melodies in the Plenty. past? Plenty. <laughs> but what I did early, early, early stages was, early stages was, was that um, I used to, I have, um, I, I was learning the guitar, so I kind of knew how to score Melodies in my guitar. So I, what I did was, I would just say do re mi fa sol la ti do, and I write the note, I write the lyrics down and put the do, the tonis overs on the on them, and just. Oh, okay. So whenever I come to the visit, I know that this time around, I already know what what the melody sound like or the or the words sound like. So that's what I used to do to get by. You know, before the phones, but we didn't have to uh, cell phones those days. Sure. So that's, that's what I was doing. And I didn't have a midget, you know. That's what I was doing. So, but when the phone came, immediately I record, 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 record. And sometimes it is hard to trace the, rec- the recorded one, so I just let go. <laughs> too many recorded melodies. Interesting. There was another song, Ghetto Love, um, where you featured yeah. Ghetto Kings, Daddy Shuki, Mavella's Benji, and what 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 inspired that song? Why did you want to feature the, should I say, legends of Nigerian music? Yeah, I mean, what inspired it was that I I did something like a, a competition on on uh, Twitter. I told budding producers to come give me their best shots. Give me some beats for me to listen to. And if I like it, I'll work with it and pay them, you know, that, that, that. It was just that simple, virtual, yeah, talent, talent. So I, I picked the guy. It was uh, Stan Steel. And Stan Steel came up with this beat, very awesome beat. As I was trying to work on the beat, every time I opened my mouth, it kept giving me a jiggle vibe. You know, my mouth kept 
singing and jiggly vibes. I'm like, gosh, what the hell is this? You know, and then I felt like I was cheating on all the regular things if I didn't get them on this song. Yeah, so I said, okay, let me talk to all of them, which, of course, I've always managed to keep my relationship with everybody. I have the numbers. I called everybody. In one week, that song and video was done. One week. Interesting. So, and the funny thing is that song is not just the song. You know, I mean, I always try to read meaning to, you know, to a lot of things. Um, the song just gave inspiration to a whole lot of other things. It was more like a snowball effect. From that song, a lot of people, the guy that started Adigunle uh, to the World, the, the, the concert, he got the inspiration from that song. You know, and that inspired him a great deal. And that song, I did not know that some of the artists on that song were not in talking terms. Yeah, I was just innocently doing my thing. I said, look. And then on the video set, I saw that, okay, this one was on another camp. So I was, so I was trying to, you know, so everything was a bit divided, but we managed to do the song today and it drew them closer, which for me was an achievement again. And um, so the song kind of like, put everybody back on check that they, they better know that they have fan, fans that are still waiting for them. Nobody can feel that way. She should believe, you know, in themselves and all that. So that one inspired a whole lot more. So, so that's, that's what the, the, the project did. That's great. So looking back now through your albums and songs, which would you say is the most personal song to you? Mm. Most personal. Oh, on this album or previous one? No, three throughout your journey, through your journey. Wow, wow, wow. So many, so many. There's one when you're at Alafia. When you're at Alafia. Okay. I used that song. I used uh, my sister's name and surname and a new uh, and a surname to sing, you know. So it was more like, then there's another one, a song about feeling, you know, that was when my dad died, a song. a song about my dad. So every now and then I, I get personal with the tracks. So people know my journey and know exactly where the inspiration is coming from and everything. So. Sound Sultan described his music as... It's true, it's real, it's organic, it's like what your doctor prescribed, you know. It's like, it's like medicine to your soul. Even though Sound Sultan was regarded as a pacesetter of modern hip-hop music in Nigeria, he was more interested in the lives he touched. You know, I'm not uh, big on titles and all that. I just do my, I just do my work and um, I appreciate, um, what I call it, I appreciate encourage, uh, encouragement and words from my fans and all that. But I'm not big on titles. Um, Yes, peace setter. Did you did you did you just set peace? Did you touch anybody's life? And that one matters to me a great deal. Those are the ones that sustain me somehow. The fact that I'm happy that you know, if I see whiskey today, I'll say, Oh, when Wizzy was nobody, I, I actually gave him attention and all that. 
in my C T Y and today I say, oh yes, Maya was no one, and I still gave him attention. But I see the band today, likewise, everybody, the P Square, you know. So that's what gives me gives me joy. Not about saying Peseta. I'm a Peseta. I'm more about you know making some positive energy into the, into the universe and then gaining from it. That's what kind of breeds lifespan into your career. In just a moment, you will hear Sound Sultan talk about his growing up years, early dream of becoming a doctor, and how he started his music journey. Stay with us. I'm Oshaye, and you're listening to Origins Africa Podcast. Hi, dear listener. If you love our show, please leave us a review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. You can also send us a tweet or comment on Instagram at OriginsAF. We love to read from you. Nope, not later. Yes, I read your mind. Do it now. Thanks a lot. Also, click the subscribe button and share with a friend. Let's make a difference together. One origin story at a time. Catch our one-to-one newsletter where we share with you one lesson two quotes and one question from each episode published. You'll find it at originsafrica.substack.com originsafrica.substack.com If you like it, please click the like button, leave a comment, share with a friend and subscribe. Also, you can now watch video snippets of some of our guest interviews. Simply go to Origins Africa Podcast on YouTube origins africa podcast don't forget to subscribe like our videos and share let's make a difference together one origin story at a time hi guys welcome back to origins africa podcast sound sultan growing up was a very quiet child that was like a quiet child not like very quiet, um, an introvert, and most times it's always like, oh, this guy open your mouth now, I think they talk, and I can't hear you, you know? I wasn't that audible. So, music was from Babadi, you know, I, I, I saw that I could do it. My brother Babadi was already like going to studios with my Jack Fashek back in the days. Like, he would just come as a young guy, just leaving secondary school. You know, he was a hustler. He, was good. he would go to Tabansi Records where my Jack Fashek was. And he just, you know, chop it up with them, come back home and tell us, wow, I was in studio with my Jack. Can you believe that? So all that, all that stories, you know, I... I, I took a cue from all that and I was following him about. So from doing talent on shows, which we were big on then, eh? any small thing, talent on one talent on show deal, you know. So for us, it's more like anywhere we can show our talent because there were no, there were limited medium, you know, to show your talent. It was very limited. So, it's more like, okay, ah, these people, they, they, they put one stage somewhere. Anywhere they stage a lecture. 
will grow. So Mamadi won Lekki Sons Pass in 95. And I was the backup singer. Me, me and Barakim Tola. You know. All this thing I tell you now, my, I don't go tell you everything. Reading my, reading my book when I want to release it. Oh, you're writing a book. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I know that, man. I don't So, you know, every, at the end of the day, it was, it was more like me learning the ropes of Babadi and gaining confidence in myself as a person to, you know, every time anybody gave me encouragement, words of encouragement, I was like, another step higher than, you know, how I, how I came. You just say, wow, this guy is good. I just was like, okay, I can do this. You know, I just, all I needed was a boost. And, you know, gradually, gradually, I started doing talent on shows on my own now. And I won uh, Golden Tones, um, Benson and I just grabbed the mic competition. I won that. I won Nigerian Song Festival, you know. And from then on, I just started, I just started um, getting more confident. And uh, people were, they noticing me because I was very different with my delivery. I was like that kid that um, listened to hip hop so much, listened to Fela. They just don't know where to place me, like, you know. So I haven't done all the things I was doing, comedy, use comedy to get some money and invested in myself, shot like six videos on my own, you know, as a 23-year-old boy singing about reality and all that. We're like, okay, who's inspiring this guy, you know? I never used to read newspapers. I was just like your basic... I wasn't too extra with, uh, you know, big on so, um, current affairs, you know? I was just your normal guy. People wouldn't know. I'm just that normal guy. So when they try to box me to say, oh, another fella, I'm just laughing on my own. Like, it's me, I'm just, you know, I'm just me. I'm just a regular guy. But I, I well, the only thing is, what's that sort of apart is, I, I, I kind of care for the country so much. You know, I feel like it's a tiny more we can all do collectively with any platform we have. Any Anytime we have a microphone in our front, should be thinking about how to make this country better or create some consciousness. Yeah. So okay. growing up, I was bustling with seven other people. Because people are talking, when I see upcoming people complaining that ah, it's not easy for them or they went from they don't know how to get by in the music industry and all that. I'm like, when I was hustling, I was hustling with a band. So I had like seven other people to, to pay transport for all those things. And I didn't have Jack. And so we have to be guided that it's not, it's not, it's not a one day job. I, ha- I had my first headache <laughs> by trying to cater for my band. I never knew what, what headache was now. Since I was in my twenties and I got my first headache. <laughs> Uh, in life, eh, I just look at it like all these things are things that we look back at and you know, and just smile at the end of the day because it's all good. It's all for the good. I learn from experience. I learn from every you know. People tell me, oh, music and performances are like chain reactions because at the end of the day, 
you have to, somebody somewhere will be watching you at the, on that stage and they will call you for another show. And that's how you keep going and keep going. You know, and truly it happened to me, you know. My first ever gig I had, I did not want to go for the show, you know. And um, because they didn't pay me, I was still complaining to the guy in my school, that, uh, uh, come on, now you guys are collecting gifts for your so-so amount. But funny enough, the show was now done somewhere close to my house. So I just said, let me just through there and just look at this nonsense. You know, and I, and I went for the show. I got there. You know me and Mike now, once I see stage, I was just, uh, let me just grab it, bear, bear. You know? I just, <laughs> I just took to the stage. And when I performed, you know, that was it for me. I felt like, okay, I've done what I had to do. And then I went for my NYSC. And someone calls me from British American Tobacco and say, oh, I, I saw you at a certain show. I feel you'd be good. They did good MC for our tour. You know, that's how I got my first thing tour because I performed in that place I didn't want to go to. So sometimes it's all about, it's like a chain reaction, you know? Okay. So you don't necessarily need to... How do I phrase this? Sometimes it is not getting paid for shows that matters. Sometimes it's the exposure that it gives you. Yeah, if you, you have to give yourself brain. If if you are not really known, look at the stage, look at the you know crowd, and see if you can get anything other than money from that. If you can, weigh options and just back it up. You know. Um. So you would also say that maybe before you even started doing these talent shows, you were not exactly confident. You had your fears, you had your doubts if it was something you'd be good at. But the more you participated in these talent shows and the more you won and you got feedback, the more you became more confident and then you started to do more. Back in the days, I, I always, you know, because I was a fresh guy, I was new, you know? And I, I knew that I, at least I could tell you know, what was good music and what was bad music. I could tell. But the only thing is, I I didn't want a situation where sometimes I, my own voice going to over sweet for me. So it's always good to get the opinion of people, regardless. And so I... So I always wait for people's opinion. And then when I get it and it's positive, I, I, I used to encourage myself and boost my own ego. But this is it. The thing is, it's good for artists, even no matter how talented you think you are, to know some fears. You know? That fear is, is, is the saddle that brings you, that you, you used to bring you. In fact, is it, is, it, is it saddle now, or what they call that? That you used to climb down from your high horse when you need to. Okay. I get yeah, I do. Because at the end of the day, sometimes people are in their own heads and you need that little space of income or um, of not being confident of yourself to use to rearrange yourself somehow. So every everybody that you see that are great today, I'm telling you, they know spheres every now and then, no matter how, how much of uh, repeated success they've had, it's still no fears, and that's a good thing. I'll never discourage anybody from from, from nursing fears. That's what makes you better. 
can't be stuck in the same old greatness. <laughs> As I true, that. true. Yeah. So what are some of your fears today? Ah, I get plenty fear. Every now and then, I just check um, if I am communicating. Because I know that the forms of communication, you know, are just, the, the, the dynamics are just uh, and almost now in the space. So I don't want to be a um, dinosaur in my own head, not knowing that uh, there are new ways to do things, you know. So I'm always finding out what are the new things that are there. So for me, I, I went to Twitter. When you check out my Twitter handle, check out my Instagram handle, it's at South Sultan. It's not like at the real or at the, uh, I want to be, it's at South Sultan because I have someone that is, is an IT guy. Any new thing, I just tell you, yo, put my name on it. Let me get my own space there. Let me, you know, Twitter, when all my other guys, when we started, that we started together, we're like uh, downplaying the Twitter thing. And I said, look, let's be tweeting, you know. Uh-huh. Because this one where they say, Oprah, don't tweet now. The first day, I just started, you know, doing my thing. And I saw that it was more like us creating our own TV channel. You know, and look how far we've gone today. So I'm all about that new media and everything. I'm always trying to find out. So that's that's my fear. I don't want to be talking, you know, at that high horse. I just feel like I've described it for people. I where, you know, it was a visual thing, I will explain it to you. Okay. <laughs> people are they'll be stuck up in a, a, a vacuum, healing themselves, not knowing that 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 vacuum is a prison when they come out. <laughs> you know? Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. I know initially when you were initially growing up, I read somewhere that your plan was to be a doctor. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. You are correct. Okay. So when did that change? Um, I think it was chemistry class. Right? You think it was what? Chemistry class. Uh, I had chemistry class. I, okay. I want to be very sure. <laughs> because there was some, um, bio, it was biology class. There was some chemical they used to. It kept making me puke. Like, see, doctor, doctor just vomit for, for this thing. You know, as a doctor, this thing would be encounter every now and then. I was not thinking myself, but I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell my parents that one. I said, okay, let's do, let's all do it. Then jam, jam me now. Jam, jam me. Jam, jam me like every other normal child. Then jam, jam me. I was like, okay, maybe this is not my calling. Let me just leave it. Yeah. And that was it. I went for geography and regional planning. Okay. Did you enjoy it? A great deal. You know, I I draw. I am an artist, you know, not music one now. I can I can sketch, I can draw and all that. So in in geography, you would need to do a lot of drawing, a lot of so I was enjoying myself. It was my passion. I love I love when anything I'm doing is passion driven. Yeah, so I was drawing, I was making money while drawing for others. You know, we would be like, ah, please let me draw that map. I'll 
how much. So you see books on my table, I'm working while I'm in the class. And all that one is what keeps me going. Okay. But you knew you wouldn't be practicing it or you yeah, had it, it in mind then? Like, it was more like my dad was telling us that, look, we don't mind whatever it is you do. But just, just go to school, finish for us, yeah? have your quality. And then you can now start chasing this music game, which is supported a hundred percent, which was very, very weird or on unseen those days. Because most parents, especially as religious and you know, well decorated religiously, they would not want to support uh, their children doing music. But my my parents are larger and larger. They are like, no, you guys, go ahead. It's your dream. It's your, it's your. We were the first set of. In fact, we did the first of first of many things in my family, because I feel like they were the first set of people to parents to agree <laughs> for their kids to. As they were supporting us, everything they used, everything they had, they used to support us. Everything. You can have the band come over to the house, sleep over, all those things. Or so much they were doing. Thank God. Interesting. So, who, how would you describe your parents? Were they the same kind of people? Were they woman fuzzy? Were they principled? Or were they different from your mom and your dad? They were very principled. And um, they, they were so supportive. I don't know. Looking back and remembering all what people have done, my parents have done to their kids in the past, ruining their kids' future by just telling them to go for white collar jobs. You know, I felt like they are our heroes today. Anything we benefit is from their support because if they said no, there's nothing we could do about it because we're under their roof and we're not rebellious children ourselves. You know, so, like that, the fact that they agreed, you know, something that I cherish today. Who would you say has a greater influence on you? Was it your dad or your mom? Um, I would say the, the talent, the singing talent was from my mom. But she used to, she used to do a lot. She used to do a lot of joko. She'd be singing, creating, funny. Funny songs. Even while we're watching football, she just makes some funny, create a funny song just to yap our team. And so I was like, this is my, this is the freestyle like this. You know, so we we concluded that, oh, my mom is a musician, she's just kidding. <laughs> so my dad draws, you know, so I know I got the, the drawing aspect from him. And, you know, Everything else. Agelessness. <laughs> Indeed, on the agelessness, Sound Sultan was often jokingly called a vampire. So Sound Sultan got into the university and subsequently started his band. When I was going to the university, Babaji was giving me some advice. He said, look, Look at Black, Blackie, he made his first uh, 
he made um, his first set of fans from school. You need like, so what you have to do is make sure that you get fans in school. When you get out there into the world, they'll be the ones to support you. So do not forget that. Okay. So I started doing for anything. It was quite dangerous, you know, but we we went for shoes. You know, Lasso was hot then, you know, caught things. And I remember when Miss Lasso, I was supposed to go. I did not go. They killed seven people there. I was just a shopper. I did not go. But I was always trying to just, you know, as well, because of what he said, like, just become something like a star on campus. Right? From there, we can see where it takes us. You know? And he was doing his own part on campus in UI. Of course, people knew him. You know? He started calling me Ninja, Ninja, Ninja. So that was exactly what I was trying to do as well, you know, which I succeeded. Because there was no event, they wouldn't call me. You know? So from there, I started. And like I said, I also put my ear on, ears to the ground, find out what talent shows. So when I got to hear about the, you know, the talent show, I quickly, you know, enrolled and tried to see what came out of it, you know, and I won. So the band, I created the band because of the talent show. I just told one of my guys, who's an Okada guy, he said he knew some people that plays in the church. I said, okay, go call them, gather them. You know, and we're rehearsing in, in a church behind my house. We're rehearsing in church because we couldn't book for studio sessions. And sometimes when the church didn't have the instruments, we just sit down, drummer will use the desk to rehearse the sequence, uh, while others just hum. So that's how we're basically doing our thing. It's something that a lot of people take a from. We don't let anything get you there. That's why I used to advise young ones never to let you know, challenges um, and, and uh, their, uh, their dream or aspiration. So just find a way, imp- improvise. Uh, that's what I, I was king of improvisation back in the day. So, yeah. Okay, so you have a band throughout school. Yeah, it wasn't banned in school. It wasn't in school. It was in my area. Oh, okay, okay. They just followed you to your shows. I was a good student. I was always trying my best to be a better performer. And since I won that contest with a band, I wanted to see how far we could go being a live performer. So I started with live performance and I didn't want to spoil it. You know? Okay. I didn't want to spoil it. I want to to be like I had to go and tell people, but at the end of the day, it was banned. I used to hustle as a, an upcoming guy. So uh, I was looking for money to, to transport my guys every day before we could go for any event. Event that they would pay me two five. To so just be me giving the band money. I will not see any money to go home. It was all passion. So sure, I saw. Okay, how long did this continue for? And then what happened afterwards? How long did it continue for? Um, so it went on for like uh, 1990. Like four, five, four years before, uh, like four years. 
Okay. I started Muslim like 1999. You know, from 1990, I started with a group first. And that's where we ended our chat with Sound Sultan to continue at a later date, but never got around to, sadly. Nonetheless, we hope you enjoyed this bonus episode and got to appreciate the life and origin story of Sound Sultan. Thank you for listening to our show this week. If you liked it, do leave us a review, a comment, and share with your friends. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and to tell another friend. We would also love to read from you. So please do send us a tweet or leave a comment on Instagram at OriginsAF. You can also write to us at OriginsAfricaPodcast at gmail.com. Remember, do subscribe at wherever you get your podcast. Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, amongst others. Catch our one-to-one newsletter where we share with you one lesson, two quotes, and one question from each episode published. You'll find it at originsafrica.substack.com originsafrica.substack.com And of course, if you like it, please click the like button, leave a comment, share with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe. Join us next time as we have a chat with Buki George Taylor. She is the founder and managing director of Robert Taylor Media, as well as the founder of My Crawl App. I'm Oshaya, and you've been listening to Origins Africa podcast. Bye for now. My father told me life is not a bitter-